Man, I'm so glad we found that on YouTube. By the way, that song on YouTube has almost 6 million hits. And uh, it still is. Uh, I know it was written in 1968. In fact, Tammy Wynette and a friend of hers, her manager, co-wrote that song in 15 minutes. And in 2004, it was voted by Country Music Television as the number one country music song of all time. Uh, of all time. Some of you are going, oh, I could think of many better ones. But <laughs> I, I think the reason, it has a catchy tune, but the reason it has, has stuck in so many people's minds is that, uh, that line, stand by your man. My favorite part of the song is, for he's only just a man. I'm like, yes, sing it, sister. Uh, it might not surprise you, most, not all, feminists detest that song. And Hillary Clinton went on record in saying, I am not a Tammy Wynette, stand by your man kind of woman. So I just want you to know, not everybody thinks it's such a wonderful song uh, as I do. But I like it, and it fits my sermon perfectly. So we're, today, we're going to talk about what it means, ladies, to stand by your man, to give him two arms to cling to. I love that. All right. That's what we're going to talk about. And now last week, men, we, we shared with you and we encouraged you. Hopefully, we encouraged and challenged you to be the men of God that God has called you to be and love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself uh, for the church. So women, today, uh, hopefully, I can speak the word of God in a way that encourages you and it also uh, challenges you to be that kind of woman who is so in love with her husband, that she respects him, that she honors him, and she literally stands by him through thick and thin. You know, men, I still believe we have the, dif the most difficult part because the Scripture says, men, we are to love our wives even as Christ loved the church. That is with a sacrificing love, a purifying love, an abiding love, and a caring love as Ephesians 5 describes for us. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 5. I'll read just a few verses, those that pertain to the ladies. And uh, so many men have come up to me today saying, Pastor, I'm really looking forward to your sermon. And I was like, really? Well, that's, that's, that's odd. So Ephesians chapter 5, we'll read 22 through 25 and then verse 33. And it says, wives, hupotasso, the word submit or Surrender, it's a military term. It literally means to line up under the authority. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, hupotasso, subject, submitting, surrender to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. You say, amen, but look at verse 25. That's where I, as a husband, say, oh, my. Husbands, agape your wives, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. In verse 33, the end of the chapter reads, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she phobeo. It's where we get the word phobia. It's not a slavish fear, kind of a, oh, intrepidation, but it is a respect, an honor, a deference. See that the wife 
honors and respects her, her husband. Uh, today's message is going to be just like last week's, except I'm just going to change the gender. Uh, it's going to be very theological at times, and then I'm going to close with a very practical way that women can honor and respect uh, their husbands. I believe this is a message that is so deeply needed in America today. Uh, we have, basically we have been usurped in biblical Christianity. There is a popular momentum, a mighty wave of cultural Christianity that is sweeping across our land. And I'm sad to say that it has infiltrated most of our churches where tolerance, tolerance has taken the place of conviction. And so today, I know some of you are going to look at me and you're going to say, as soon as I use the S word, it's not a cuss word, but the subject word, you're going to classify me as archaic, uh, antiquated, and being an, a, a dinosaur, a theological dinosaur, a relic of the past. But, but let me share this with you. God's word, his principles transcend culture. And if God says in Ephesians 5 that it is best in the home for the man to lead that home, then it was true in A.D. 55. That is still true in A.D. 2013. Some things do not change. And as a pastor, I've seen this so many times that when the wife rules the home, it creates havoc in the home, and I get it at church. It creates havoc in the church. Instead of the man saying, honey, let's do this, and let's stay with this church, the wife says, no, I'm, I'm spitting, fighting mad, and we're going to leave. And he says, okay, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just go. That is never God's intention. God intended you to wear the pants, sir. I, I just want to be just blunt with you for a moment. He has intended for you and me to be godly leaders who are willing to lay down our, our lives for our wives, to subject ourselves to them in such honor and deference and chivalry. I have yet to meet a woman who would not gladly follow such a man who would love her uh, like that. I've been so blessed to have some godly women in my life, and I just want to talk to you about them for a moment. It starts with my maternal grandmother. Sue Isaacs was one of the most godly, precious people you would ever meet. She loved the Lord, and when I think of Granny, that's what we called her, she was one fiercely loyal person to her family. And then I think about my sweet mom, and I just every time I think about her, I just about start crying, even though she's 70 years of age and she looks... She looks great on the outside. Uh, through, through Alzheimer's, her, her mind is completely decimated. She has no idea who anybody is, but she has left a lasting, indelible imprint on my life to what it means to love God and love your family. Now, I get the privilege of living with two women in my house. No, I'm not a polygamist. If you were here last night, honey, 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 I, I'm not that. But I'm so blessed to have a wife that loves the Lord and loves me and respects me. And we have a 22-year-old woman living in our house, Hannah. And she is a godly woman who loves God, who I think will make a great wife uh, one day. So I am so blessed. And I come to you today with a heart full of joy and also with a little bit of trepidation because whenever you venture out to preach a sermon like this, you're going to be deeply loved and... Okay, let's go on to point number one. Ladies, receive God's love for you. I want to begin like I did last week and say, ladies, before we go any further, let me just share this with you. God loves you, and he created you in his image exactly the way he wanted you to be created. He gave you the profile, the 
personal personality, the features that you have. God crafted you. He created you. And I just want you to know, God does not make mistakes. And when he created you, he threw away that DNA mold. He cast it aside because you, lady, are prized, special. You are the apple of his eye. God loves you, and he created you as a female, okay? And you are a sinner, just like I am. And you sinned against God, and God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be your sacrifice on the cross. He died for you. He was placed in a tomb. He was resurrected by God the Father. He ascended back to heaven, and he reigns in heaven above. He reigns on earth below. And all of you, every single one of you, who believe in Christ and turn away from your sins, you can be saved. You can be born again, just like Lydia in Acts chapter 16. It's a powerful passage of Scripture where it says, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. Us, the antecedent for us, would be Paul and his missionary team as they went, he and Silas, as they went and preached in Philippi. She was a seller of purple, which means she was a businesswoman. I believe she was a very prosperous businesswoman. She was from the city of Thyatira, and she worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart. I want you to underscore those words. God opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. When I had a chance to share with Natasha this week, I, I thought about, Natasha, I thought about you, and I thought about Lydia. When God just does that supernatural work, you hear the gospel. You are drawn to Jesus Christ. And instead of um, a recalcitrant stubbornness, there is a gentle meekness about you. And you yield your life. You surrender your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And you, for the rest of your life, to the best of your ability, you want to yield to him and abide by his teachings. Now, having said that, there are some of you here today who have yet to do that. And I just encourage you, uh, before we go any further, I would love for you just to say, God, I, the reason that book is so foreign to me and the reason why I dislike it so much is maybe I don't know you. I don't know the author. And if you would just yield yourself to the Lord today and receive him, you can be uh, born again. Okay, point number two is, ladies, serve the Lord and serve your husband through submission and through uh, respect. Now, again, there is that S word, and I want to just talk about it for just a moment or a few moments. And please don't tune me out. It's not a curse word. I don't think it's a curse word at all. I think once you understand uh, what Paul and what Peter are saying, I, I think you will absolutely agree with them. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, in Ephesians 5, 22 and 24, the gospel writers, the biblical writers, use this word, hupotasso. And it literally means, as I shared with you a moment ago, it literally means to line yourself up underneath and to follow the leadership of another. Paul, in fact, in verse 22, in case we miss it, he uses the present active imperative. He gives it as a command, ladies, respect, and ladies, surrender to the authority and the leadership of your husbands, just as Christ has surrendered his leadership and his life to the authority of God the Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to me is such a fascinating passage because it deals with subordination or at least submission in function of the Son to the Father. 
Be careful. I'm not Arius. I am not a, a, a third century heretic. So, so bear me out. Listen carefully. When I mean what Jesus did is he surrendered his authority to the Father to do the Father's will. Okay? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, But I want you to know what the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. Now notice this. The head of Christ is God. One of the most beautiful and powerful illustrations of the husband-wife relationship where the wife is under the authority and the leadership of the husband is the Holy Trinity. Now, I've shared this with you before in 1 Peter 3, but I want you to hear this again. God the Father sent God the Son. God the Son says, the Holy Spirit glorifies me. And so, though you have this equality in ontology... In other words, the Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus and God the Father. But within the Trinity, there is this submission as far as roles and functionality. Read in the Gospels, for example. Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because... Look at this. I do not seek my own will, but I seek the will of the Father who... What? He sent me. In other words, the one sending is in authority to the one who's being sent. So God the Father says, God the Son, it is time for you to go to earth and redeem my people. Now look at this in, um, in the Gospels also. Jesus said, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it uh, unto you. Look at that. The Holy Spirit will glorify me. So you have the Holy Spirit, who is as much God as the other two persons of the Trinity, and He is glorifying the Son. You say, you weren't kidding when you said this is going to be a theological sermon. There is equality in the Godhead, and there is leadership, and there is submission. Listen, I don't care what entity you're talking about, somebody has to lead. I have yet to meet a military battalion or a group of soldiers who did not have a commanding, somebody help me, officer. In the secular world, in the business world, there is a guy and there is a lady sometimes, and they are called the CEO, the chief executive officer. And I've seen this in the local church, and the pastor is the shepherd, but he is the leader of that local church. Doesn't mean you agree with everything that he does, but God placed that mantle of leadership upon him. Now, when you come to a sports team, can you imagine on a sports team if everybody was the leader and there was no head coach? There would be absolute chaos. But there is a man, and every single team has that man. In women's sports, there are many women who do this, they are the leaders of that entity. And when it comes to the home, now you can call me male chauvinist, you can call me, uh, call me outdated and archaic, but when it comes to the home, at least according to the Bible, the man is supposed to be the leader in that home. Stand by your pastor as he preaches the sermon. I'm telling you guys. The reason I'm nervous is because you don't hear sermons like this anymore. I, I'm, I promise you, there are very few sermons where you preach, number one, on the Trinity, and then number two, when you preach on submission within the family unit. But I'm just different, for better or for worse. You are stuck with me. Aren't you glad you're married to me? 
Okay, men, listen to this. The Bible says in Proverbs at least three times that when, when there is chaos in the home, it is better for you to dwell in the wilderness it is better for you to dwell on the corner of a housetop or isolated somewhere if things are not right between you and your wife. And I'm preaching to some people here today that things are not well in your marriage. That's just a fact. Because marriage is difficult. Uh, marriage takes work and effort. As I shared last week, just because there's conflict in our marriages does not mean something is wrong. It just means we're married, okay? And we have to work through uh, these things. I mentioned to you a moment ago how this word phobeo in, in Ephesians 5.33 says, you know, respect him and, and honor him. And most of the times when there's problems in marriages, the wife does not respect her husband and the husband does not love his wife like he should. And that, therefore, is a recipe for uh, disaster. Uh, last week, like many of you, I taped and then later watched the Oscars. And it was fascinating to me as I watched that. And um, I, I found of particular interest was Ben Affleck was not nominated as director of the year for his movie Argo. And of course, and you know, in Hollywood, that created quite a disturbance because there were many people who believed that Argo was as good a film as Lincoln, as Les Mis, as all the other films. But Ben Affleck, if you will, he was, he was slighted. But oh, was he exonerated. Because guess which film won Best Picture of the year. Now, if you've taped it and hadn't seen it yet, spoiler alert. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Argo beat out Lincoln, Les Mis, beat them all out, and Ben Affleck comes to the podium to give his speech. And what a great opportunity for him to say, you bunch of reprobates, why didn't you elect me? Why didn't you at least nominate me? I've got the best picture of all. But that's not what he did. He talked about marriage. Did y'all see it? ABC said it was by far the greatest speech of the night. And Ben Affleck looked at his wife, Jennifer Garner, and he said these words. I want to thank you for working on our marriage. It is work, but it is the best kind of work. In that moment, I think they've been married about 15 years. And here I am talking about them. I hope they're married another 15 years. But in that moment, she gave him a look. Now listen. Every wife has the look. I'm telling you, it's a look. If looks could kill, we would be killed. I mean, because they could just look at us men. Men, am I telling the truth? Amen. It's okay to say amen. It's the truth. But that is not the look she gave him. She gave him a look of absolute adoration and respect. Listen, men, when we love our wives and we honor them, they almost always reciprocate and they will respect us and follow our leadership. Okay, that is some of the more technical, theological part. Now I'm just going to get very practical with you. I'm going to share with you uh, some of my research of what I've read out of Dr. Emerson's book called uh, Love and Respect. And I hope this blesses you. I hope this encourages you. Because he gives us an acronym, or at least an acrostic, whereby he spells the word CHAIRS, C-H-A-I-R-S. And each word, each letter, represents a word uh, in the acrostic just like couple did for the husbands. And by the way, I've read a lot of good books on marriage, and, and I've studied hard for this sermon, but I'm this is the best book I have ever read on marriage and family and the husband-wife dynamic in relationship. 
And really, you just owe it to yourself, uh, men and women, to buy this book and re read it. Because I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis and add a few of my own stories as I go through this. The C stands for conquest. I know you have that in your outline there. And if you take just a moment and write this word out in your outline and write the word C stands for conquest. You say, well, what in the world do you mean by conquest? He says, the wise wife will appreciate her husband's desire to work and uh, achieve. It, it is not a male chauvinism, I'm superior, you're inferior to me. No, God has placed within the DNA of men this desire uh, to conquer, to feel like he's gone out in the world and he's done something with his life. And he has provided for his family. And when he comes home, he would love more than anything else, just ladies, for you to acknowledge that and to say, every now and then, to say, hey, really, I, I appreciate you working so hard for our family. He writes these words, as a wife, if you can start to understand how important your husband's work is to him, you will take a giant step toward communicating respect and honor to things that he values even more than your love. I agree. I agree completely. I value Ashley's esteem and respect more than I do her love. Now, that's not the same for women. Women are like, are you crazy? Don't talk about respect and esteem. Talk to me about L-O-V-E, baby. That's what I'm needing to hear, that you love me. Listen, we are different. And ladies, I'm telling you, if you want to get on the track of, of being an awesome wife... You take some time to understand what your husband does, enter into that world and honor him and revere him and respect him, and I promise you, it will do awesome things for your marriage. One wife writes these words. She says, my husband has been going through a big struggle in, in, at work, and he has been the target of a lot of criticism and rumor. I wonder if he's a pastor. No, I'm sorry, I didn't say that in there. Let me, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Um, my husband has been going through a big struggle and has been the target of a lot of criticism and rumor. I have chosen to stand next to him. And I show respect and commitment in the face of criticism and rumors. When I read that, I thought about a true story in my life where my wife did precisely this. I was pastoring my first church, and like the other churches that God has allowed me to pastor, it grew, it doubled, it tripled in size, and I just thought, man, this is amazing. Look at me. Aren't I something? And God has taught me, boy, has he taught me, that never was about you. That was all about me. And so our church, that's the good news. Our, the bad news, our church split almost in two. I made a hard decision. I made a decision to let the youth pastor go. Oh, my word. It was awful. And if you've ever been in one of those church splits, one of those difficult things, and the same thing happened to me in my next church. I made a hard decision, and we lost a ton of people. And so there was a man who met me in the parking lot, and he was mad. And he was about to lay hands on your sweet, innocent pastor, Okay. No, I'm being, I'm being real serious. He was a big man, too. Most men are big to me. I just want you to know that. <laughs> and, and I was nervous. I can defend myself. God, I, I know I can to a point, anyhow, but I know if I do, then I lose all the way around. So I'm standing there. This guy is physically shaking, and I think any moment he's going to hit me. And before he could hit me, my wife 
comes out of the house with her blue sweatpants on. She gets in his face and she says, listen to me, you leave my husband alone. That's what she told him. Stand by your man. I've, I've never seen such fierceness in my wife. But she literally told that guy, she stepped in between us and she said, you leave my husband alone. When I thought about that story this week, I, I literally cried. And I'm about to cry right now. Because that's the kind of respect she has for me. I tell you, the whole world and all of Great Hills can be against me. But I can always know there's one person who loves me to termination, to death, it doesn't matter, and that is my wife. And because of that, I think I can do anything, okay? So that is, that is an awesome thing. You want to clap? You, you can clap. H. H stands for hierarchy. And what he means by hierarchy is, and I quote, the wise wife will appreciate her husband's desire to protect and provide. To protect and to uh, provide. The husband leader of the home is never to abuse his authority, and he is never to intimate or hint in any way that the wife is inferior. Listen, when you think of the husband-wife relationship, don't think of words inferiority and superiority. Don't think about that. Think of equality in essence. We are absolutely the same. I am no better than my wife. My wife is no better than me. Galatians 3.28 says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. We are equal in the eyes of God in ontology and who we are. Now, when you come to, when you come to roles and functionality, again, somebody has to give a leadership. And he says, respect this hierarchy. Respect the fact that your husband really desires to protect you, provide for you, and to lead you. Please don't do what this one woman did. There was a lady and her husband were friends, true story, of another man and woman. And they had just built a brand new, beautiful home. I mean, with all the bells and whistles. And the one couple asked their friends, they said, hey, do you mind if we come over and take a tour of your new home? And the couple said, absolutely, you are our friends. We'll be glad to show you around our home. So they did. Amen. They went into the master bedroom, and it was just this, this humongous room. And their closet was as big as the other couple's bedroom. And boy, that wasn't all. They went to the granite finished top countertops. I mean, they, they went into the theater room, and they were just, I mean, it was just an amazing home. And when they got through with that tour, True story. That lady turned to her husband and said, you need to get another job. That's what she told him. I want you to know something, ladies. That decimated him. I mean, she crucified him with those seven words. You need to get another job. In other words, you're not providing for me like he's providing for her. Ladies, I, I, there's just a word for that. It's called common sense. Please don't do that. Don't do things like that because that is so disrespectful and so dishonoring. I want you to compare her words to the words of the wife of E.V. Hill. E.V. Hill was the black pastor of, in Los Angeles. I mean, just world-renowned pastor, wonderful man of God. And him and his wife relationship was legendary. They had a tremendous relationship. 
And one time he had received death threats, and it's just true. It's just the way it goes sometimes. Pastors, he receives these death threats. And they told him, they said, listen, we're going to blow your car to smithereens, and we're going to wait till a time when you're in it. You're not going to know when, and we're going to blow you up. And, uh, boy, they were just dealing with these threats. And so one day he came home from, from work, and he, was, uh, he came home, and he noticed something that one of his cars was missing. And it just made him nervous. And he said, my, the car's missing. He goes, where's my wife? And my wife's not here. And he just about panicked. And about that time... <laughs> His wife strolls or rolls into the driveway. She gets out of the car, shuts the door, and she says, Honey, I was just giving it a test drive to make sure that it was safe. The same wife, one time, Evie Hill came home from work, and uh, he noticed that there was candles lit. There was romantic, I mean, just, just this ambiance, and there were candles and there was a meal prepared and he thought there goes my wife again she's just absolutely amazing so he comes in and he, he flips the light switch and, <laughs> and there's no electricity and he's going what is this you know and and she goes honey come come back in here just just sit down and he goes honey what, what, what's going on and with tears in her eyes she said evie i I know how hard you work, and it's so hard for me to tell you this, but the light company have turned our electricity off. And I was trying to get through the evening without you knowing it, and I know it's impossible because here's the word she said. She said, because I know how hard you work. Ladies, that's just R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That is just respect and deference and honor. Those are the kind of things that you can do to bless your marriage. The next one is A for authority. Dr. Emerson Igerix writes these words, Wives should respect their husband's desire to serve and to lead. Um, respect the husband's desire to serve you and to lead you. Now, Emerson writes in his book that, you know, 99% of the time, when a husband is loving his wife and a wife is honoring her husband and they come to a disagreement, 99% of the time they are going to come to an agreement. That's just the way it is. But on those rare occasions when ladies, you, you just believe it ought to be this way and men, you just believe it ought to be this way, it is those moments when the Word of God appeals to you as a woman and says, defer to him. It doesn't matter. You have to defer. You have to honor and respect him at this difficult juncture. I wrote in my notes, it takes a strong woman of faith to defer and empower her husband uh, to lead. And that is uh, authority. Okay? I stands for insight. Wives are to appreciate the husband's desire to analyze and to counsel. Now, we've all heard of a woman's, anybody can, in intuition. And Dr. Emerson, he says, I think sometimes we overinflate that because we think that a woman's intuition is so strong that a man has no say, he has no insight. And he, and he really writes some powerful words, and, and it's, it's, it's challenging, but it's also very uh, encouraging. He told the true story about another lady who constantly ridiculed her husband. I, and I'm, I just, to me, it's just so foreign. I, I can't even hardly get my arms and my head around this. 
She dishonored him, disrespected him in front of neighbors, in front of family, and he just kind of quietly took it. And one day she was out of the house, and she was kind of near where he worked, and she, she called him on the cell phone. She said, hey, I'm going to come out and just see you and say hey to you. And he said, uh, uh, okay, that's, that's pretty unexpected. She goes, yeah, I'm just coming. Just, just say hey to me, and I'll, I'll be fine. So she drove up to the office, and and she came in, and they said, well, ma'am, you have to wait for a few minutes because he is really busy. And she goes, well, that's odd. I am his wife. But where she was sitting, she could watch her husband, and she watched him. And she watched him. As person after person came and gave him honor and asked him, what is it that they were supposed to do? The boss came in, who's older than her husband, sat down, and you could just tell they had this great relationship. And, you, and she saw the respect that the boss had for her husband. And then she saw the very attractive secretary and how she even respected her husband. You know what she did? She walked into his office and she said, well, honey, I just want to say, hey, I got to leave. And she ran and she got into her car and she burst into tears. She said, how insensitive of me. Everybody respects this man and recognizes how valuable he is, everybody that is, except me. So ladies, let me encourage you. Value your husband's respect, his uh, insight. He says at this point, you can be right but wrong at the top of your voice. I like that. And we can be. You can be right, but you can be wrong simultaneously. R stands for relationships. He says women can help their marriages greatly by appreciating their husband's desire for friendship. You know, men are, we're just, we're just weird, guys, gals. We're just different. You know, you get two women in a room, they're going to get eyeball to eyeball, and they're going to look at each other and talk. I mean, studies have actually been done. Women get in a room, and they put the chairs separate, and they turn the chairs toward each other, and they can look at each other eyeball to eyeball. They did the same study, put two chairs in the room. Do you think men did that? Do you think men got chairs and looked at each other? No. They put one chair there, they put one chair here, and here's how it went. How are you doing? And that's just, that's just men, and, and, and that's just women. We are, we are just very strange, aren't we? But men, we are, just, we are just different. There was a man who said, Honey, I, won't you go deer hunting with me? She goes, What? <laughs> Stand by your man. And he, he said, Yeah, yeah I, would you go deer hunting with me? And she goes, uh, sure, let's go deer hunting. What, what are we supposed to do? And he said, oh, I'll do everything. You just, I just want you to be with me. And she said, okay. And she said, we went, we sat in a tree stand for four hours. I like to froze to death. We saw nothing, we said nothing, and we shot at nothing. <laughs> we came down out of the deer stand. We're walking back to the, to the house there. And he turns to me and says, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she said, have you lost your mind? Awesome. He goes, yeah. He says, we, we were just hanging out. We were just together. That is, that is cool. That is just having a relationship where you are respecting him and just honoring him. And the S stands for, <laughs> why is it always sex and money? You know, y'all are laughing because y'all know I speaketh the truth. I've been married 26 years. I've been around the block a couple of times. If we're going to argue, guys, is it not about sex and money? Now, I know we have children in the audience, and I'm not going to be, it's going to be G, so I'm just going to say, read the chapter. You know? 
Read the chapter. Women, here he says, appreciate your husband's desire for sexual intimacy. It's an interesting statement when he says, the devil will do everything in his power to get two people in bed before they're married, and everything in his power to keep them out of bed once they're married. That is a good statement. That is true. Another statement that I really like is, if there ever was an issue that really isn't the issue, it is sex. Y'all unpack that and think through that, and um, if you got any questions, Talk to Kyle, our counselor, and he will, <laughs> he will, he will, man, it's getting hot in here. I'm telling you, Woo! let me just lay that aside. I share this message with you as a way I'm hoping to help you and encourage you. I really do. I began the sermon, ladies, with these words. First of all, it is going to be impossible for you to live according to the biblical principles of submission and honor and respect if you don't know Christ, I'm telling you. If you have not died to self, you will never be able to live for your husband like you should, okay? So I'm going I'm to invite you to die. And the best thing he said last night in that comedy routine was, God calls dead people to live, okay? So I invite you today, like Lydia, just open up your heart to Jesus today. And surrender your will to him and be born again. Do like Natasha did. Just say, I am ready. I give my life to Christ. <laughs> when do I get baptized? I, I love that. That's just God. That is just pure God working. And so, ladies, I invite you. If you're married today, I, I want to ask you to do something. I, I don't do this a lot. In fact, last week I said, I, I actually ask you specifically not to come forward. Just to stay where you are and to pray with your husband. But today I'm going to ask you a little bit differently. I'm going to ask, ladies, I'm going to ask you if you would, in just a moment, take your husband by the hand and walk him down the aisle. Okay? Now let me explain what we're about to do. When you come down the aisle, there's just something, is there something powerful about this. And that's why I don't want to do it every Sunday because it loses some of its majesty. Just in mass, everybody come. But no, today, and by the way, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to ask you to do this again in a very unique sermon about the power of words. Okay? Can't wait to preach that sermon. i got to write that sermon, then I'll be real excited to preach that sermon. But in a moment, I'm going to ask our ladies, take the initiative, reach over, take your husband by the hand, and I want you all to come forward. You say, well, that's not a very big place up there. Well, it's pretty big. Tim Hawkins ran 10 miles, he said, last night up here. <laughs> Just had to have been here. It's fun. Uh, sort of. <laughs> um, but we can, you know, we can just stand here, and, um, and if we need to stand in the aisles, that is fine as well. And, and when we do this in a moment after I pray, I'm just going to speak a word to you, okay? And then I'm going to have you pray for each other, and then we're going to go back to our seats. Are y'all up for this? You say, I am single. Looky here, I don't have a man to stand by. I'm, we're going to talk about being single next week, and I'm looking forward to that message. But for now, I'm going to invite all of you to stand up, stand to your feet. 
stand up, stretch out, wake up. I'll say a prayer, and then Ashley, if you could find me over here, stand by your man, not in your blue sweatpants. I love this. She's all dressed up pretty, and she's going to stand by me. And she and I will just kind of bless y'all and lead you in a prayer after I pray, okay? Are y'all good with this? Okay, good. Sir? Yeah. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Father, we thank you for marriage. It is a sacred thing that you have created, God, in the genius of your divine mind. You created a man and a woman and how different they are. And yet, Lord, in marriage, um, they come together and they learn so much about surrender. Both of them do as they love and honor and respect one another. So, Lord, I pray now for our couples in a moment when they come forward that we will just have a blessed time together as we just come before you, Jesus, and we honor this thing that that you've created, this institution called marriage. Father, for those that are here today, I pray they wouldn't leave. I I pray that those maybe that are struggling or, or maybe they just cannot as a couple come forward, that they would just hang in there with us, and I pray that this would be a sweet time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, men and women, if y'all join me, it'll be awesome.